This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Open the Voice Gate for April 19th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can get our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You just click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, my co-host and friend, Case Lowing. Case, how are you? I'm doing well. I am in very, very cold Chicago, Illinois, but my well-being is irrelevant because we are talking to Hollywood Iron Mike Spears this week. Mike, how are you doing after your weekend out west? Well, I got into uh, the compound at 1 a.m. this morning, so I'm a little fried, which, you know, as you know, Case, if it's something where, like, I'm I'm a little bit off kilter, that usually means that we're going to have a crazy show just because my brain just completely short, short circuits, but I, you know, I, I do well in and Los Angeles, other than losing my phone within the first five minutes of being of leaving Los Angeles International Airport. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, L.A. is cool. Uh, got to see my brother get married and uh, the weather was awesome. It was like 60 degrees the entire time, man. I flew back up here and it was 40. Like, what the hell? You know, I, I will say one thing I've come to know about you is that no one is as in tune with their body as you are you can you within the first five minutes of talking to mike every week he's gonna let me know how he's feeling what's thrown off about him he's going to apologize if he's anything less than a hundred percent and i like that it's good to do a checkup on yourself every once in a while and perhaps it's paranoia or an anxiety disorder but mike spears is always checking in on himself and i think that's great i'm disappointed you didn't post any pictures of you out West. We could have done some of that classic Sean Ross Sapp, Denise Salcedo banter <laughs> where I call you Hollywood Spears in what seems like it's an inside joke, but it's for the public and it goes on too long. And then it makes our Twitter presence entirely unbearable. That could have been us, but you, you kept your, per, your, uh, your personal life private. And I was very disappointed by that. I mean, sometimes we got to take the cake gloves off when we talk about, you know, fightful. You know, I mean, sometimes we got to do that. Uh, uh, just an unbearable website. I've met Sean Ross. That personally was very nice to me. I have no issues with him on a personal level. Oh, Un- unbearable on a professional level. 
uh, you, you know, it's the one thing where it's like the one Patreon where I'm like, he does have a lot of good information, but a lot of it is like it's 25% of it, but you still get good information each day. It's just the notifications on Patreon for stuff that it's just like, here's an interview we did with Becky Lynch. Please don't post anything before the aggregates get it on Thursday. And I'm like, why would I care? You know, you know, but uh, there's a reason case why you didn't get any Hollywood Mike Spears while I was out there. And why is that, Mike? Oh, because five minutes from after getting my bag and heading to the uh, rideshare lane out of LAX, heading to the undisclosed location, uh, the, the LAX now has this like external, it's called LA Exit because every, not only pro wrestling loves uh, abbreviation based puns. And I have a one of those chargers for cell phones that the cables attach to the charger itself, which makes it a lot easier when you're traveling because you're not like futzing with that. I must have had it on loosely. My cell phone disappeared and I was like trying to track it. So I spent a wedding weekend, including throwing a bachelor's party on a burner phone with a very bad camera. I took photos just to check very bad camera that a very bad phone that I do have not installed any social media on there other than Slack and Discord. Nothing well, else. Well, the, the, the two essential, Slack and Discord, you can't go you can't go a minute without checking those. I, I will let you plead the fifth, but I'm assuming if you're in Los Angeles with a burner phone, uh, you could have made a pretty sweet drug deal? I mean, we, we, we don't talk about my business. <laughs> Sounds like a guy who bought drugs this weekend. <laughs> you I, know how those drug dealers are always talking about their business. I, I, I'm talking about this business that we're in. <laughs> this business. I just like, it, it was just one of those things that like, so I landed and I fe- and the whole situation, I got situated uh, out in Pasadena. I stayed in Pasadena. Love Pasadena. Pasadena rules. Everyone should. Pasadena is one of those hidden, lovely places in the country. But up, uh, and I found an AT&T store within five blocks that closed within forty-five minutes. You better know I booked it down there and, and shouted as soon as I got in the store. Give me a burner phone. Give me a burner phone right now. And, and the poor guy is like, "You mean a prepay?" He's like, "Yes, yes." And it has to. And do your burner phones have apps? And I must have looked like just the most insane (laughs) person. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a good look. Here's the funny thing. My brother, who was out with his then fiance and his future in-laws for dinner, thought he saw me running down the street afterwards. He went inside the AT&T store and said, "Uh, hey, was my brother in here? Kind of looks like me. Usually has a hat on. Usually pretty harried. And they're like, yeah, no, he just left like two minutes ago. Yeah, we don't know where he's off to, but he's doing something illegal, so go catch him. I, I, I mean, I've watched a lot of Bosch. You know, there's a lot of other crimes in L.A. other than just drugs. Are you excited for season three of Barry? Yes, absolutely. Why why, why wouldn't I be? Yeah, I mean, this if for anybody that isn't ready for it, just, just so you know, this podcast going forward is not only the best place for Dragon Gate coverage, I think we're going to be doing weekly Barry breakdowns as well, because it's my favorite show. I love it more than anything. The last show I loved as much as Barry problematic take incoming was Horace and Pete. And Barry has been able to fill that obsessive void that not even euphoria, which I'm a massive fan of could fill. Barry is my thing. I love it. I'm excited about it. It's been three years. Is that right? Since the last season, 2019. Yeah, it's been maybe three. four. 
Maybe it, it was it was it was 2019 because I I was going through a breakup during season two of Barry. I remember it well. So it has been three years since Barry has come back. We have been doing this podcast weekly for two years. This becomes the Barry anticipation anticipation station going forward. The Barry breakdown battle station. Oh my god, that's wonderful. Well, well, well know, done, I, Mike Spears. You know, I go battle station. That used to be a name for the pay per views. They were the battle station. Yes, well, I am. I am not old, so I did not pick up on that reference immediately. But good call by you. Hey, hey, I gotta do it that way. But yeah, we'll have the Barry breakdowns. Uh, kind of turning the corner on winning time case, by the way. Just as an aside, I I'm I'm behind. I was telling you my schedule before yeah. we started recording. There's gonna be other than other than Barry, which I will watch live. I, well, I'll catch up on winning time when the season's over. The, 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 that, that would be an OTVG extra someday. Us going through the HBO Max lineup of 2022. How how is that not of everything we Patreon? We got to be doing monthly TV roundups. <laughs> I, I mean, the problem is is that we'd be doing this. And I'm like, all right, okay. So I got to talk about Temptation Island for for ten minutes. Great, I love trash TV. All right, I watch Dragon Gate. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> the, the Dragon Gate as proven this weekend at Fukuoka with their double shot. Dragon Gate's pretty good right now. We're in a good spot. So hey, l- l- let's not let's not compare Temptation Island to Dragon Gate, even though there is a lot of passion in both. I, I would say if I had to describe these two Fukuoka shows in one tagline, this was a weekend of easy, breezy, beautiful wrestling. A lot of very simple stuff. These two shows flew by. I had one match on the spreadsheet, which coming away from a Fukuoka weekend is a great weekend. So yeah, there's there's a lot to like here. There's a, a lot that I want to talk about that happened on these shows, and there's a lot as we head into what is going to be an insane month of May that we will be, you know, the place to go to, both audio. I'm trying to figure out, assuming we get King of Gate uploads on YouTube, which as of right now, I I have no reason to think that we aren't going to. I am going to try to figure out a way to cover those in writing as well as my usual Cork and Hall and Big Show reviews. So there's a lot to look forward to, and I liked some of the crumbs that were sprinkled in throughout these two shows. So normally, when a Fukuoka weekend comes up, I think you and I kind of scratch our heads a little bit and go, okay, well, we've got to record for at least an hour. That seems to be very fair to the audience. What are we going to talk about for an hour? I think we're going to be able to do that this week. There's, There's a lot to discuss. Yeah, and even though I watched this on very few hours sleep coming across a transnational uh, plane flight that the mass mandate came down right in the middle of. That was weird. That was did you, weird. Did you get a notification that people ripped their masks off mid-flight? No, the the, the uh, pilot came on and did it, and then people ripped it off, and I'm like, nah, I'm keeping mine on. This lets you know I don't want to talk to you. That's that's very good. It, I think so. So the mask mandate was also lifted on public transportation, which uh, was a, a, a different mandate, at least in Chicago. And that got lifted today as well. And I believe that is the first time since the pandemic has started that that has gone away. So that was in effect for two full years, didn't go away last summer at all. And while I'm, in, I'm incredibly pro public transportation, I love it to death. I love my CTA workers. For the time being, for numerous reasons, I am keeping my mask on on public transit. I just like that's just like one of those like places that, you know, I feel like that a poorly ventilated gym. I feel like those are like the obvious like like unless you're just someone that, you know, we can't tell you nothing. 
Like those, I think it's a common sense kind of thing. And, and plus, when I'm on a plane, I immediately put my headphones in, and I and having the mask on really lets people know that hey, I do not want to make friends with my next my next seat neighbor. You know, so the mask is just going to stay in, and I won't get sick. You know, yeah. it just competes. It does multiple things. It's a Swiss Army knife for me. I walk through life trying to be as unapproachable as possible because there's no bad story that starts with I was being left alone and I continued being left alone. So many bad stories start with I was approached by blank, blank and blank. I looked it was described by a friend perfectly. I look just mean enough and just poor enough not to mess with. It's not worth it. I don't have anything you want. I'm going to be too big of a hassle. I have deep down unchecked rage that I don't, I don't, I, I keep it deep down for a reason. And so I, I keep the mask on. I keep the hood up. I typically have a baseball hat on. I am not looking for friends when I am out in public. I am looking to get from point A to point B in an efficient manner as humanly possible. You see, people look at me and they think I'm sad because I have like resting sad. Yeah. Face. Oh my. Oh my God. I get asked what's wrong constantly, and I'm in a great mood when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because I just, you, you know, it's the same thing. Like everyone was asking me why I wasn't crying at the wedding. It was a beautiful wedding. I'm just not. This is not a thing I do. You. Yeah. When was the last time you cried? The last time I cried. Uh. Probably in my early twenties when I had a full-on psychological breakdown. Wait, wait, it's it's been a decade since you've cried. Not to expose your age, but it's been a decade since you've cried. That I can remember. No, 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 no. Sorry, twenty sixteen. Okay, all right. I won't. I won't ask further questions given the tone of twenty sixteen. But that's still that's six years ago. Not much a crier. I'm gonna make you cry by the end of this podcast. <laughs> You're That's my goal. Hey, stay tuned. You, if we got a Hello Fresh read, and I'm gonna make Mike cry. This is gonna be a good episode. <laughs> we'll we'll see about that one. Uh, yeah, like th- these were very easy watches. Uh, it, it got to a point with some of the the stuff in the evening show that you know watching them. Well, watching two shows back to back regardless is always going to be like a level of, of a time sink, and you're going to get kind of fidgety, but. I didn't have anything on these shows under three stars. Then again, there's stuff I don't rate and we'll get to it with the stuff I didn't rate, but everything here was just really good. And it continued the stuff here and really felt like it was building multiple things for multiple times at for multiple people. So I felt like that this was for Fukuoka. This was a very useful Fukuoka show and not a show that I was that I just want to get over with. I enjoyed the first show a little bit more than the second. The second had some some matches that I, I didn't love, but the first show flew by starting with that opening match. Yeah, so let's get right into it. The opening match was it was Gold Class versus Unaffiliated, and it was Kota Minora, Naruki Doi, Kaito Ishida, of course, with Minorita versus Big Boss Shimizu and UT of Natural Vibes, along with Unaffiliated Takuma Fujiwara. And it was Kota Minora pinning Fujiwara with the R301 in 11 minutes and 28 seconds. And boy, they just decided to kick off the day with a belter, didn't they? Yeah, this is this is good stuff. This is one of those positives where you see Fujiwara in a lineup and you go, oh, OK, this is this is going to be good. That's just the weird baseline that he's hit right now. And this is specifically one of those matches that I found to be very exciting 
because it was the first time they wrestled a few times on house shows in various tag settings, but this was the first time that I had seen Kaito Ishida and Takuma Fujiwara wrestle one another. And in the same way that Fujiwara has done it with Diamante and with Dragon Daya and the limited interactions he's had with Masaki Mochizuki, Kaito Ishida was another one where I was like, oh, that's okay. That's a match I want to see. Ishida Fujiwara, let's get them in an arena where they can make that match happen because their chemistry, they started off the match, their chemistry throughout really really strong and it's another one of those guys as we go throughout this year next year five years from now there there could be a program there immediately and i would trust that they could carry it just off the interactions in this uh opening tag yeah uh takuma just had some 2010 ata chops you know mm, like, like yeah. some like some ones that had like a different sound they could tell they hurt extra a lot extra much like extra much that hurt her an extra bit uh the thing with takuma fujiwara and it's something that i feel like one of the fun things about him is us kind of reckoning with him in real time i really do enjoy that i'm convinced now that they are just going to just just let him do what he can do until they give him a reason not to like there's there's not going to be a slump with him i feel like i feel like that they've that 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 He's done enough for them to have the faith that they're not going to do the little bit of the pullback, at least as soon as, you know, how a lot of rookies get that pullback very soon after their first strong push. Like, it feels like that they're just going to let him go without the training wheels. And he he max, maxes up well with everyone in this match. And it just was a fun, fun three and a quarter star opener without really highlighted again how dynamic Takuma Fujiwara is and is only 20 years old. Well, we talk about chapters a lot with these young wrestlers on the roster and how Drangate has a knack for letting these guys successfully write the first chapter of their story. Kamei was a great rookie. Kakuta was a great rookie. You look at this future class, the hype that we had around Ricky and Ishin, around Fuda and Sato very early on in their career. And as you saw, not with SB Kenta, but with his contemporaries and Kakuta, and especially, especially Kamei, there was that second chapter where once they're placed into a unit, once they are wrestling above that young boy level, now they're a small fish in a big pond. We see Drangate wrestlers sometimes struggle with chapter two, and greatness can be defined in many ways. Greatness can come about at any point in people's careers. Look at Diamante, look at KZ, some of these late bloomers on the roster. Chapter two can be tough. What we've seen with Fujiwara is that his chapter two, and arguably arguably with the way he's been pushed, his chapter three with the Brave Gate match, the Diamante match, he has not stumbled yet. It's been remarkable. And he is someone who, like you said, I, I don't I don't see how there can be a waiting period. I actually wanted to ask you because I, I think not that he's going to be winning titles anytime soon, not that he's even going to be pinning big names anytime soon, but I do think there is momentum with him and enough buzz around him to where he is going to be best served being thrusted into the Dragon Gate ecosystem sooner rather than later. This guy has his gear, he has his colors, but he needs a unit. And if you've got the pencil, you wrestle it away from Ultimo and Genki Horiguchi right now, and you say Cork and Hall next week, we're getting Fujiwara a unit. Where are you putting him right now? I am not putting him in any of the pre-established units. 
you're okay. <laughs> Please explain. Uh, natural vibes is perfect. Doesn't need another person to it. Uh, too young for the heel turn and wouldn't be served. Doesn't serve what Zebrats really needs. Uh, high end boy. That's a that that's a big way to lose any enthusiasm I have for him. Could, uh, could Do you think he could bring high-end to something worthwhile? That's something I wanted to ask you a little bit later, an idea that I had for a high-end. Fujiwara being placed under the unit, we get some some Fujiwara, Dragon Kid, Kagatora, Six-Mans. Does that do anything for you? Yeah, because it doesn't have the people in the unit I have, I have a lot of problems with. So, yeah, <laughs> that trio by itself. Uh, the, the, the grapple guys can go do their own thing, but I just – it just doesn't I, – I, I, I just now just have it's just a personal bias against a high end that's only going to be ended when it's over. So, Which you know is going to be 2025. High right, end's not yeah. going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So if you think of that, that I sound unfair and bitter now. Wait for 2024. Wait. I was I was looking at some results yesterday, and I realized just how deep Tribe Vanguard ran. I was looking at World 2019 for something. Yeah. And I I realized Tribe Vanguard's in the Twin Gate match. And I was just flabbergasted by that. I just can't. I can't imagine. Tri- I, I didn't like Tribe Vanguard in 2017, but 2019 Tribe Vanguard is just a dark, dark place. Well, you, you had Kai and UT. So, you know, people that weren't in original Tribe Vanguard with that. Uh, no, the, the bright spot was, like I will continue to say, let history remember it, the Kagatora UT Maria trio right. that was doing undercard six-man tags. I was like, hey, this is this is awesome. It's this Yamato guy I have an issue with. Yeah, so what did I leave out then? Uh, gold, gold, class, gold class and D-Courage. Uh, D-Courage, if we're going to, like, D-Courage is the route, honestly. D-Courage okay. is the route. Like, because I view them as their own thing and not a unit, I would have them with D Courage, man. You know, he already has colors that can represent uh, Daya and Yoshioka and have the lime green for him, you know? That's well, a great like point. It, it's already partway there. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. He doesn't need to change his gear all that much. Right, yeah. So, I, I, I guess outside of like unit things, I mean, we're now about three weeks out maybe four from when we'll start to get a sense of uh, king of gate stuff i think at this point it would be a just a miscarriage of justice if takuma fujiwara doesn't make king of gate this year and if he makes king of gate i would be awful tempted to get it make him be at least one for four you know give him one win in king of gate and not have him be like the usual rookie zero point uh just experiences so we should know the King of Gate lineup next week at Corrigan Hall. That is the plan is for them to announce it. Oh, so they're it actually then. announcing it then. Okay. Th- yeah. that, that, is, that is the idea. That is what Jay said on uh, Alan, Alan Forrell's ProRes Paradise last week. So unless something changes, we should get – at the very least, we'll get King of Gate lineups, names being announced. I you know, that's a, I hadn't thought about – well, with the, the, with, with, the, with the way they do their schedule – I bet they announce the King of Gate matches and then just leave all the undercard stuff up to bell time. Right, yeah. And, I would and, hope. And they would announce the opening day stuff at Corkin. Yes, which so. uh, we'll, we'll talk about opening day King of Gate stuff in a minute because I've got a, a whole thing planned on that. But I, I'm with you. I think D-Courage is the route. I, I think there's so many interesting things that could happen with King of Gate this year and Fujiwara being in it is number one with a bullet. If that happens, I am so 
in on this tournament in a way that I wasn't even expecting myself to be. Because the King of Gate lineup, if it's anything less on paper than excellent, it is a massive disappointment. And that is because the roster is so talented right now. There's so many small things that I like, so many different guys that I'm interested in right now. This is going to be such an interesting tournament because they could they could run a 24-man King of Gate and they could leave guys out. They could leave out a Kondo or a Maria or an Estrella, guys that might not be the best wrestlers in the world or a Fuji or a Mochizuki, but guys that are more than capable of wrestling in a high-level singles tournament. The roster is so deep at this point that those guys are in jeopardy of falling off, so I don't know if we're going to get Fujiwara in there or not, but I know if he is in there, that immediately becomes my most anticipated part of King of Gates. Yeah, I guess it matters. Like, And also, if they're going to be doing knockout, pure knockout, like they've done the last few years, or if they're willing to do a... If they're willing to go back to block play for good. You know, so, so I mean, it, it, there's a lot of ways that can really go with that. But I mean, look yeah. at well, they, they did, they did block play last year. And yeah, but less lo- people. Less people, yeah. But looking at the schedule for that, you know, they've got Corkin, they've got Kobe Sambo Hall, they've got the triple shot and Hokkaido, and then they've got that Osaka number two show at the end of May with what I'm assuming will be the King of Gate Finals June second and Corkin. So I'm expecting block play and a big conclusion in Osaka and Tokyo at the end of May and beginning of June. Yeah, no, that that would make the most sense to me. Uh, Do you have anything else on the opener? It was very good. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, three and a three quarter stars match just thrown up on YouTube. You you, got to check it out. I I think we should talk about the next match and everything around it all is one right now. I think case, does that work for you? Please. All right. So, on the afternoon show, we had a singles match. Masaki Mochizuki defeating Stan Ichikawa in 13 seconds with a lariat. Uh, Stalker often does a Stan Hansen impression, including a theme that goes uh, William Tell Overture right into Sunrise, which always pops me. And then across the next two shows, uh, Ichikawa, at least by my count, five times tried to get the match restarted. He finally got it restarted right before intermission on the evening show and lost again, but this time in five minutes and 44 seconds to an arm lock. And actually what was kind of a competitive uh, for a soccer kind of match with Mochizuki. Loosely competitive. Yes. Yeah. Certainly more competitive than I thought it was going to be. Jay had an interesting note on Twitter, something that I never would have realized had he not pointed it out, that this was the first time that Ichikawa had wrestled in across Fukuoka in 22 years. Uh, Toriyaman ran this venue November 30th, 2000. This is on the Dragon Gate Network. And let me let me run down some stuff on this show because it's not a show that I remember, but it is a show that I'm going to go back and watch. Opening match, all cap Saito versus Rio Saito. Does that sound like a lot of fun to you? Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that airs that's, that's clipped, but that airs. So I I need to check that out as the all caps Saito guy. Now, match two, I need your help with. And I don't know if you'll be able to provide the help, but match number two is Azteca versus Utaka Fukuda. Any idea who either of those guys are? So Azteca was someone that is a luchador that came around a lot in those early days. 
like was definitely a part of the Malkapon troop. Uh, let uh, who was the uh, other one that uh, an Azteca? Sadly, if it is the Azteca, that I think it is. It, Azteca, no, that's a different Azteca. Gosh, uh, the, there's an Azteca that passed away in 2003, but I don't think that's him. No, this is he, he's uh, he's 51 years old, wrestling, still wrestling for a pro wrestling Kageki, which sounds like something that perverts like you would watch. Oh, you've never heard. Okay, so that's so different Azteca then. Pro wrestling Kageki, that's like an old school. That was like one of the original, like real sleaze feds. Yeah, no, it sounds horrible just looking at the logo looking at some of these cards it sounds like something i am just not interested in and and that other guy that name doesn't ring a bell at all uh yeah that uh that uh was a yutaka fukuda who weirdly wrestled on this show in 2000 for torimon and then in 2010 wrestled two different next shows which is a really strange career that other than that was an Osaka pro, but uh, not someone's work I'm familiar with, but I thought that was interesting. And then that show is headlined by a six man tag that I need to check out. I think I've seen this before. It's big names. So I would imagine I have, but Dragon kid Genki and Magnum Tokyo versus uh, Shima Fuji and Sua that for 2000 is as loaded of a six man tag as you can get. Yeah, no, that rocks. All right. So I was thinking about someone else who was a luchador that was over all the time, not as who was who's been the promoter for pro wrestling kageki forever they don't even have a twitter pred a twitter presence pro wrestling kageki i i i appreciate that a lot oh good no more more wrestling companies should do that holy shit no this can't be who i think it is who is their champion right now uh, hold on hold <laughs> who do on. we have okay we, d- we, d- we, d- we dug in a cage match early on this show who was the pro wrestling kageki champion uh it, it's satoshi ogawa and i thought that was someone else when i saw it uh who also has a okay i'm gonna click a link here okay so i'm gonna i'm i this is just really oh i i I do not have permission to access backslash user backslash macho man on this server where are you sending me cage match where are you sending me uh yeah so this guy was trained by azteca and his other one is a link to a all right this is hilarious this is toshio gawa guy is a his uh amiblo uh blog but by Amiibo has just pot leaves all over it hell like, yeah and it, like and that's usually something that could be like a stylistic thing in japanese culture like like you darvish got like bad buzz when he first came over to text to the rangers because he had on a t-shirt that had a pot leaf on it so the fact that, that this is all over this guy's blog page is really, really cool, I have to say. Well, a happy 420 to people who are listening to this episode on the day that it came out. As for uh, Stalker Hansen versus Masaki Mochizuki, a delightful affair. I love anything with Konamami Chikawa, Masaki Mochizuki, or Stan Hansen, and this combined all three into a series of very fun matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a nice little thing that imagine if you had the tickets for both sides of the double header, and it's just like, well, and a friend who didn't go is like, what happened? Well, Stalker kept on wanting to have a rematch. <laughs> it's long term storytelling. Actually, learn something about it. <laughs> uh, match three, we had a, another unaffiliated trios match, but this one had more unaffiliation with it. Ultimo teaming with the high end pair of Dragon Kid and Binke versus Eita, Yosuke, San Maria, and Ishin Ahashi. Binke went through Ishin with a spear in 11 minutes and 45 seconds, and Bud 
Ishin's starting to look a little bit more like Ben by the day. Like, like that really struck me, especially that it's the haircuts. The, their haircuts are too similar, in my opinion. Yeah, Ben K is doing a thing where he's starting to look different on almost every show again. But there is... I, I, I'm so curious to see five years from now what Ishin Ihashi is, because there's... There's a few different directions this career could go, and you've been very bullish on him. I like him a lot. I like these young Drangate powerhouses. I think the roster does well when they have a few guys like that in the mix. There's, I, I'm still very high on Ricky. I think Ricky, assuming he comes back ever at this point, has major headline star potential to him, just given the charisma that he radiates. Ishan is a guy who I think will be very valuable to, say, a King of Gate tournament five years from now, somebody who can go in there and consistently have good matches because he's been doing that as a as a rookie. We've seen him in a variety of situations, a variety of partners, variety of styles of matches, which is incredible given how young he is in his career, and he continues to keep his head above water, and, and his interactions with Ben K here were no different. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Ishan this weekend. Like, he had a very good day in Fukuoka, in my opinion. It was something... I see a lot of him. It's going to be interesting. You brought the five years thing. So he is 24. He's a very young looking 24, I would say. Yes. I'm going to be fascinating on like, like how he looks like when he turns 30. Because this is a guy who he, he has the look that I feel like that people go like, oh, he'll powerhouse. But there is something about him that you kind of could kind of see him like, like, like Shigehiro Irie in a way, if that makes sense. Hopefully he surrounds himself with smarter people, but yes, he could look like him. Right. But, but, but you get like the sense that he kind of has like a little bit of like a rampaging bull in a China shop kind of thing with him, but he showed some different edges on the show, actually more so on the evening show, but he's a fascinating one. He's someone that the more I see him and the more that he's kind of, and with whatever the situation of Ricky is, I don't know. He's taking advantage of it. You know, I don't think this is a Darius and Dante Martin kind of thing. But Ishan's really put, put the best foot forward since his brother's uh, disappearance from shows. Yeah, there's one blemish on this match where, where Dragon Kid, uh, Ben K sets Ishan up to take a 6-1-9, and Ishan kind of bounces his neck off the top rope and then isn't in position for the 6-1-9, and Dragon Kid connects with nothing, and then they just kind of reset and have Ultimo do his offense on Ishan, and Joe Gagne tweeted that out, and even out of context, but especially in the midst of the match, it is so shocking to see an error that big. And it it was just wrong place, wrong time. Ishan's body was off by half a step, and it completely threw the spot into disarray. But it really goes to show how good these rookies are that were, you know, these guys debuted in September. I can't do that math. They're, what, seven months into their career or so? And this is right. the first time where we can visibly point to an Ahashi brother spot and go, that wasn't supposed to be that way, which is really, really impressive. I want to get existential for a second, second Mike. Can I ask you a, a deep question that I was thinking about during this match? I'm kind of terrified about what this question may be that this match prompted it. But yeah, go ahead. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to have you answer. And then I'll explain why I'm asking it. Mike Spears... Are we broken, you and I? I can't speak for you, but yes, I'm a fundamentally broken person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, <laughs> there's there's case, a reason this podcast exists, my man. <laughs> case, you said that I'm someone who has like supreme command of their senses and their body. Of course, I know I'm broken. 
I was watching Ata wrestle Dragon Kid in this match. A very emotional time for me. Anytime those two step in the ring with one another. And I started thinking about their rivalry in 2018. Yamato versus Kai, which is a three-year arc that was paid off at Final Gate. And I went to the Voices Wrestling Discord, and I asked what the top storylines or feuds have been since the OWE split, which we're coming up on three years of, which is or four years of, which is uh, amazing to think. But Jay said something, and I will I will plug the podcast yet again. If you have not listened to Jay on Alan Forrell's Pro Rest Paradise, I said it is the best podcast I've heard in years. I mean that. It's a three-hour show that I listened to in one sitting. It flew by. It is fascinating on a number of levels. But they started talking about the Drangate YouTube channel at one point. And Jay said something that I had felt, but I hadn't been able to articulate, which is that the way they upload these matches onto YouTube for longtime fans, obviously like Jay, who's been watching longer than all of us, you who you have a decade on me and, and me who has been covering this promotion. I will be generous and say monthly, if not daily for seven years. Now we get jaded. We don't get surprised by almost anything. Uh, and, and we, become a little cynical and what these YouTube uploads have done. They have brought out the fan in us. Once again, I get so excited about these YouTube uploads, these house show matches, because there's something new. We have not seen these since 2014. When I started watching this promotion, every show, uh, we have not seen stuff like what's being uploaded. It's very exciting for hardcore fans like us. But the reason I ask if we're broken is that the things that people went back to were HN Dragon kid, Yamato versus Kai and then Ishida versus Okuda, which I feel like we, we really carried the water on that feud. But the two biggest singles feuds in the last four years, we did not enjoy. And I wonder if that's us being too cool for school, or I wonder if this promotion is just so loaded and their top-end stuff, for whatever reason over the past few years, hasn't connected with us. That was kind of rambly. That was a bit of a monologue, but I hope you understand the point that I'm trying to make. Oh, for sure. And... I I mean, l- let's take those two feuds and let's just take a minute and discuss why at least like our reaction is that way. Dragon Kid and Ata just didn't have heat to it. It was a huge mass feud and it was supposed to be something that was built up for years really with Ata begging uh Dragon Kid to join over generation as his maestro. Just went on kind of forever. Didn't have much heat, and that was the big storyline while Pac was champion, so they could get out of having Pac defend the the belt when over the Christmas holiday. So I, you know, that it's just one of those things that for me, I just I I look at that feed, I look at all the buildup, and it just wasn't really, I would say, deserving of the buildup just because of of the uh, heat there, and that kind of rolls over to the uh, Yamato and Kai feud. You know, because that one went on pretty much since uh, Kai came into the promotion. So, I I guess the the thing to me, like, like when we like you look at these three feuds, the thing they really have in common is they lasted for a long time. Yeah, it's I I got a little self conscious thinking about it because you know we loved Ashida and Akuda and we loved Shun Skywalker 
and Daya and Diamante and the dissolution of R.E.D. and Masquerade. But the two things that Drangate has so clearly presented as these are the biggest feuds. This is the biggest thing happening in the company. We we weren't hot on either of those. I I hate Dragon Kid Ata matches. I don't think they have chemistry, which is crazy given how often they wrestle one another. I just don't think they work well together. Yamato and Kai, same story. I've said before, Kai's best wrestler, his best opponent is UT. And we're not getting Kai versus UT for the Dreamgate belt, which is a damn shame. But Kai was positioned with a guy who he just doesn't work very well against. But I wanted to check myself. I wanted to see if we were being too cool for school. If the the mainstream this is what it is. This is the main event. Are are we uh, subconsciously not enjoying that because it's what's being pumped out to us with the most spotlight on it? Or are they weirdly just not good, kind of an AEW situation with their world title where that never feels like the most important thing on the big shows? Drangate sort of has that going on for them with my own personal enjoyment where the top feud is never what I'm most into. And that is a problem that they've had really since that OWE split, where whether it's Dragon Kid versus H or it's Yamato versus Kai, those are the two prolonged singles feuds at the top of the card. Those have not done anything for me, even if in December there's a, a, a version of history where we're applauding this company for doing this prolonged, in-depth Kai versus Yamato feud that ended with Kai going over, which on paper sounds very exciting, but an execution just never got there for me. And I think I think we're right. I think we're okay for not enjoying that as much as maybe the company would have uh, anticipated us to, maybe as much as other people didn't do. But I want to check in. I know we're fundamentally broken. I did just want to make sure that we're not being a little too hipster, a little too cool for school. I think our tastes are, are rooted in correctness there. And I think as time goes on, if we revisit that sort of stuff, I don't think we're going to love it. I think in the moment we got it right, and in the future, history will reflect that. And as we've just witnessed Case talking himself through the Webb and Mitchell, are we the baddies gift? <laughs> uh, oh, right. boy, Mike. <laughs> I, I, the, the, that was the thing. It's like, are we off base off base? And the, the only thing that was by my head was, uh, was David Mitchell saying, are we the baddies? We are the baddies. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we have, I, I mean, I'd like to send the baddies row. I mean, come on. Oh, my row. God. I, I'm all about the baddies row. What a, what a phenomenal gimmick. Yeah. Uh, match four, D-Courage, uh, Dragon Dai and Yuki Yoshioka defeat high-ends Yamato and Keisuke Akuda. Yoshioka hit the frog splash on Akuda. And I was three and a half for this. I was three and a half for the one before that. Uh, this was like the most summer venture tag league match, and we've talked about this for a while. It's like, wow, they're just really putting out more and more summer venture tag league matches. But I thought this was this was a whole lot of fun, but I just couldn't escape its strapping. So this is what I wanted to ask about high end. Obviously, there's the the possible future reality that we live in where Fujiwara joins this unit. I don't think it's likely, but I think it's something that needs to be discussed. Would a Yamato Kaisuke Okuda tag team? Let's say we're in July. It's the hot period of the summer. The biggest show of the year is coming up. And we see Yamato and Okuda instead of Ben K and Okuda get a prolonged push as a tag team. And all of a sudden we're heading into Ultimo's anniversary show and Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival. And it's D-Courage versus Yamato and Okuda for the Twin Gate belts. Does that salvage high end in your mind at all? Or are you just writing them off entirely? No, I, I'm done. 
I'm completely done. I know Yamato is one of the best tag team wrestlers of his generation. That tag team Fukuda should be great, but it doesn't do anything to help high end. <laughs> that, that, that's just another thing in Yamato's. That's another feather in Yamato's cap in his tag team work, right? Yeah, I would. I would really like to see that team to a point where if they if they want to give these guys a run, because I would. I would like to see a rematch of this match in a bigger setting. Because I, I thought these teams worked very well together. I went three and a half stars. D Courage continues to be very entertaining. I would like to see what Yamato and Akuda could do. I think these guys bring out the best in one another. I still think about how much I enjoyed their King of Gate match last year in this building, no less, because it brought out a side of Yamato that we don't get to see a ton anymore. This sort of grapply, map-based, Pancrase-inspired Yamato, which is what I enjoy from him. It, very rarely in wrestlers do I encourage them to take it down to the mat and grapple. God forbid, quite frankly. But with Yamato, I I enjoy that aspect of his game. And I would like to see he and Akuda combat that from a tag team setting. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't get the impression that's the direction they're going to go. But on a personal level, I would be very intrigued by that. Yeah, no. I and I think it's something that, you know, with how Yamato likes to work and like that, giving him basically the blonde him to team with might be the best case scenario for that. Uh, after the match, Stalker came out again. This was one of the multiple times he begged for that restart. Semi-main event, Jason Lee tagging of Strong Machine J versus Z, Brad's BB, Hulk, and Hio. Hio pinned Strong Machine J with the Neko Damashi roll-up. And Jason, man, Jason is just... He's on another level, but it's also something where I'm actually like getting and feeling really sad for Jason at this point. That, that, it's I'm hard not you- to. It's I'm hard glad not you to mentioned be empathetic that. towards Jason Lee at this point. He's so he's so good at portraying that. That that's the thing. Shun, of course, Shun Skywalker has been phenomenal since October, November, whatever the derangedness of Skywalker kicked in, home run every single time out. Both in the dissolution of Masquerade and now whatever is going on here, which will be decided next week at Corken Hall when Jason Lee finally, uh, it, it appears he'll join a unit. Jason's charisma, his character work, the way that he's intertwined his in-ring into that. I, I raved last week about how Shun Skywalker has had such a, a drastic departure from the wrestler that he was in order to get this character over. Jason Lee's isn't as extreme, but there's an argument to be made, and I might be the one to make it, that Jason's doing the best work of his career. And this is a guy who, at this time last year, I, we did our Dead or Alive review, and I said this is the best junior in Japan. Until Hiromu proves that he can stay healthy and that he can be the wrestler that he once was, to me, Jason Lee is the best junior heavyweight in Japan. And I've watched recent Hiromu, and he's had some good matches, but I don't think he's on Jason Lee's level anymore. I don't. I don't think anybody is. In terms of the junior heavyweight style in ring, Jason Lee is as good as it gets, and now he's added this layer of fascinating, and I'll use your word, empathetic character work that is so, so valuable in this company. I think a lot about what Jay said the last time we talked to him, which is that keep letting him cut promos in Japanese, he will be a big star, and this is the work of somebody that is ready to be a big star. Yeah, and it's something that just really like just like sticks out now, like Jason's work. Even in a company with such a high working standard, you see what Jason's doing, and it's like, wow, this is actually something really, really special. Uh, the match itself, everything was fine. Like, the work was good. But, I mean, this was really 
a match where we got to the finish and then we wait we waited to see what Shun was going to do, which was basically kidnap Jason and drag him to the back, lift him up like a potato sack, and Jason trying to do whatever he could to get out of uh, Shun's grasp. Seeing the main event start with Shun Skywalker carrying Jason Lee on his shoulders, it turned me into a real life Twitter account where I was screaming and crying in my living room at the sight of this, but it was almost in a very literal sense. I cackled like a madman at the sight of Shun carrying Jason Lee like a bag of potatoes to the ring for this main event. Their stuff is just so, so good. And it's going to be very interesting. You know, this is a feud. It's it's happening a lot on house shows. They haven't had their signature big match yet. It's not a main event feud. You could argue Shun is being downcycled right now after his Dreamgate run last year. And Jason Lee is a guy for as talented as he is. He is still incredibly underrated. So in a year where just like with Rookie of the Year, we know that Hook is taking home that award and we just hope that Takuma Fujiwara can get second. Obviously, CM Punk versus MJF is the front runner, and I think deservedly so, as I talked about with Mike Spears on the Everything Elite Patreon about a month ago. That is the feud of the year. But as we go along, let's not lose sight of how good this Shun versus Jason stuff is. I hope they have a massive singles match. I hope this is just uh, th- this this tag match at Corka next week is another chapter in an unfinished story. I really hope these guys spend most of the year attached at the hip because the work they're doing right now is world-class and if people who had a clue and people who had more influence than us had eyeballs on this promotion i think as a whole our wrestling bubble would be raving about this feud but it's happening on the wrong shows and not in front of the right audience yeah i mean that the, that's the shame about you know i mean jay's talked about this both with us and Fallon about the ebbs and flows right here like because this is really unique stuff that is going on here but it's just not gonna get the eyeballs but it's gonna be something that down the line, we talk about the comp DVD. The comp DVD of this feud will be the one that, or the files are however they look at it in the future. But however they do it, this will be like the thing that like future wrestlers, like you should watch this thing because the character work here was insane and you people can get something out of it. And I think that that's probably the best results, but we're just not going to be around for it, I guess. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've seen a character with what Skywalker's doing. I don't think I've character I don't think I've seen a character play derangement this well since Kevin Steen turned on El Generico. And I am by no means ready to compare Shun Skywalker versus Jason Lee and let's lump in Dragon Die and Coach Minora into that. By no means am I comparing that to Steen versus Generico, but I also think we have a lot of story left untold and we more importantly have blow-off matches that haven't happened yet. But the similarities of Steen compared to Skywalker and the empathetic nature, especially of Jason Lee, more so than Daya and Minora, just because those guys landed on their feet so quickly. But the empathetic nature of Jason Lee is very similar to the vibes that El Generico gave off. So I I think they are in the pocket right now. I hope this is a match that that we see at Kobe World or on a big show later this year. These guys deserve the spotlight. And I, I think the company has enough faith in them to where they will get that at some point. Yeah, for sure. It might be a King of Gate thing. It might be a, just a special singles match. You know, maybe a May King of Gate, baby. May King of Gate Cork and Hall. Boy, oh boy, am I excited. Oh, yeah. It's, it's even sooner than I thought. Can't wait for it. Uh, you, you talked about the main event. Let's get into that. Uh, Natural Vibes versus Z Bratz. It was KZ, Susumi Akoska, Gigi Horiguchi, Jackie Funky Kame 
versus Kai, Espy, Kento, Diamante, and Shun Skywalker with Jason Lee. Shun got the win with the SSW on Ginky in 14 minutes and 44 seconds. And there's just something of that that I really, really enjoy about whenever we get to see JFK and SBK in the ring together. And we got a lot of that in this map. You you took the talking point right out of my mouth. You know, the great thing about Drangate is the way they are able to heat up and cool down things seemingly uh, on demand. And these were guys who obviously had their now infamous Bravegate match in October and Kobe. They did the rematch in December and Cork and Hall. And then they did not touch until February 6th on a house show, uh, a, a very small house show. And then they are just now getting back in the ring with one another. They wrestle each other on the 4th, on the 8th, and then again on this show on the 17th. So this matchup feels fresh once again. They did that match in December, and they gave them two months of being in entirely different matches. They never touched. And we're seeing it here where th this felt really fresh, and there was a lot to like about this match. Kamei versus Diamante, SB Kento versus Genki Horiguchi. But the the highlight of this was like you said, it was SB Kento versus Jackie Funky Kamei. These guys have a special chemistry that will carry this company into the future. Right. And uh, talking about the other matchups, so I was pretty happy with the Susumu and Kai faceoffs, knowing that they are the uh, next room gate match. I feel like that I I'm seeing what I need now to be confident in that match. I, okay. I would say I I think they have good chemistry. I think they'll have a good match, but this was a a loaded main event in terms of what I like. Diamante, SB Kento, and Shun, those are my guys. KZ, Susumu, Genki, and Jackie, those are my guys. And as I was watching this match, seeing Shun versus KZ and Diamante versus Kamei and SB Kento versus Kamei, all I could think was that Susumu versus Kai feels like such an afterthought. And that maybe goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Something about the main event scene in Drangate just has not clicked with me over the last four years or so. The one raid that did, obviously you had Pac and then you had Shun Skywalker, but it's not like they were engulfed in these, these long-term stories. You know, Ben K was there, or Pac was there to get Ben K the belt. Skywalker was there to have great matches, but there wasn't this long story being told throughout his reign. Kai versus Susumi Yokosuka, there's a story there, and it was to me, the fourth most important thing in this match. It just, they don't stand out. That's an issue with Kai. He's a good wrestler. In all Japan, he'd be the best on the roster outside of Miyahara. In Noah, he would be a welcome addition to that heavyweight scene. In Dragon Gate, he can hang, but he is being lapped by anyone in his unit not named BB Hulk. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's something that. This whole reign has been dealt with a way that, like, they give you enough lead-up time to really heat up the title matches, and this is the one that had a little bit of a shorter turnaround, I guess, because I felt like that, like, we knew that Shimizu was getting next pretty much through December. You called that one. And then even before that, like, the Yoshida one had a pretty solid build-up as well. So, I I just, like, look at this, and yeah, when you have people like Diamante there, you have Shun who just pulls focus. Whenever Shun's in the ring right now, he, put, he pulls focus from everyone else. And then you have the fact that you have two of the strongest baby faces in the generation and uh, KZ and Ginky. And you have their protege who's getting just as good at getting the babyface reactions in JFK. It's going to be hard, you know? And Susumu, 
is not going to be the one that's just as magnetic as the other three. So when you, so like this is a feud that when you like you talk about these eight guys in the ring, it's already starting at a trailing deficit, right? Just because of the charisma of both of those guys. When you like look at the teams, it's just like, oh yeah, no, okay. So so I totally get where you're coming from there. I just kind of see enough here that I'm like, all right, I guess Kai's holding the belt probably unless we're getting a quick turnaround for King of Gate. He he's there to lose it to Asa at this point for me. And I'm just, you know, I'm just hoping for the good match. I really want by the end of this year to be able to look at a big show and say that the Dreamgate scene, not just a singular match, but the program that led up to that match is the most interesting thing happening in Dreamgate. And I don't think I've been able to say that since Pac's time on top, when it was Pac versus KZ and Pac versus Dragon Kid, and then obviously Pac versus Ben K. The Shun run was awesome. Again, I, I other than Kenny Omega, I thought Shun was the best wrestler in the world last year. But you go through his defenses. He beats Ata, he beats Benkei, he beats Ashida, he beats Sakamoto, he beats Kakuta, he beats KZ. There's, you know, there's some canon with him and Benkei. There's some canon with him and KZ, but those aren't these long-term stories. It's nothing like what he's doing now. Now, Skywalker versus Minora or Dyer or Jason Lee for the Dreamgate. Now, that's a story that I can get behind, but not since Pac, and even then I'm saying that loosely, has the Dreamgate been the most interesting thing on the card? And my fear is that for as long as Kai is champion, that is going to be the same story. Yeah, I I think this is kind of, they're playing the hand they dealt themselves with Kai, you know? And, and, and you're right. It's just because of other stuff going on is a lot more exciting. And it just kind of continues that trend there. So I gave this match four stars. This was my match of the weekend. I think it is essential viewing the finishing stretch with Kamei and SB Kento and Genki Horiguchi getting it on the fun. It's been a, it's been a minute since we have seen Horiguchi really involve himself in a big match in a big setting and him getting involved in the finishing stretch here was awesome to see. Go watch this match. The Zebrats versus Natural Vibe stuff hits on almost every show. I think far more than Gold Class versus High End, which we'll talk about with the evening show. So show one in Fukuoka, very enjoyable in my book. Yeah, it's three and three quarters. There's something on the evening card I like just a, a smidge more. And the post-match, which is worth mentioning because it played into the evening show. Uh, Jason still didn't escape, and Shun Skywalker got into this long, drawn-out thing with Ryo Saito saying, I want to team with Jason. He's like, well, we got some time until the match. We'll find some time. He's like, I will team with him tonight. Well, uh, we have the cards already made for that. No, I'm going to do this. Well, I guess that's that's what's going to happen. And then Stalker came out trying to get another restart. So they really have gone long. Like the one thing I'll say about these shows is they went long on the mic talking. Very much so. Yeah. Support for Open the Voice Gate is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make cooking, f- home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit in case. It, it's something that with HelloFresh that it's all about the convenience. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food. That's a terrible thing. Like, I'll go and I think, okay, I'm going to get through this big bag of salad before it goes back. And it never happens. Always, I'm always, like, wasting one bowl of salad. But never 
with HelloFresh because you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling mem- meals on the table with a snap, like options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. The beautiful thing about HelloFresh is they have a little option called Fit and Wholesome, and you want those recipes because if you're like me and you grew up in a family where our favorite food group was Chips Ahoy, you suddenly find yourself as a young adult entering grocery stores listening to a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, and you go, huh, I if I wanted to eat healthy, I don't even know where to start. And the beautiful thing about HelloFresh is that they do all of the hard work for you. I get a box delivered to my house every single week with peppers and vegetables and other green food that I have to look at the key to figure out what it is. But with HelloFresh and a little bit of exercise, I am getting my beach body ready. As I've said on this show before, my dream this summer is to cook a HelloFresh meal with a significant other, to grab a Mountain Dew Spark and head to Montrose Beach, and one day have the confidence to take my shirt off in public, and HelloFresh is supplying me with that confidence. That is both fit and wholesome. So- <laughs> So the way you get this order and you get this offer is you use promo code VOW16 at HelloFresh.com. That's that's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 with promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And case when we look at this evening show, uh, this is as I mentioned as we started off, where I felt like that there was stuff here that I liked more than the afternoon show. But this was something that I mean, it's a downfall. Like the they're always gonna have this issue with the uh, double headers in Fukuoka, where you could tell that it's like, all right, y'all, you're working your whatever match of, of the last five hours. You're going to pick one of the ones to take it easy. You know, and I kind of felt that a little bit with this night show. That's just, you know, things weren't hitting as hard as I thought the uh, m- the afternoon show was. Well, you look at the opening match, for example. I mean, we saw some of these guys kill it in the main event. This was a Z Brats versus Natural Vibes match that opened up this show with some uh, participants from the main event of the last show. And I didn't think this match was anything special. I, you know, normally on these shows, these Fukuoka double shots, these double headers, we see them take it easy in the afternoon and they work hard on the evening show. This was flipped for the most part. I thought the effort was a little bit higher in the afternoon and matches like BB Hulkyo and Kai versus uh, Susumu, KZ, and UT were a little pedestrian. There was a lot of crowd brawling on this evening show. Yes. Yes, there was. Yeah, I felt like it was all kind of just there. Uh, the finish was Yokosuka with the Yokosuka cutter on Hio. You know, continue heating up the the uh, the uh, Dreamgate Challenger. Really, not much really going there. Uh, was it Chinsuke Nakamura who was in the front row with them in the post match? I, I know, I know, Chinsuke was at these shows because there's a really great picture on Don Fuji's Twitter of Don Fuji and Chinsuke. They were yeah. doing something with Lek, uh, the Lek Corporation. So I don't, I did not see him in the crowd, but that would not surprise me if he was there. Oh, I mean, the Luck Corporation, the creator of great objects such as Cleanpaw. You know, well, could you imagine Open the Voice Gate sponsored by Cleanpaw? Oh, we have gosh. we have people in Japan. We have people uh, that sometimes listen to the show that have an obsession 
with CleanPaw, if we could only get those people to reach out to the Lek Corporation and maybe have uh, uh, Open the Voice Gate sponsored by them, that would be such a terrific thing, wouldn't it? Hey, I mean, uh, Mr. Sponge Guy goes to the shows with his kids. I mean, I would love to talk to the Sponge Guy. I feel like I've said this before, Case. I want to talk to the Sponge Guy. <laughs> and I feel Let like me... that could happen <laughs> only with the sponsorship from the Lek Corporation. Let me ask you, Mike. I'm going to tie in the opening match with match number two with a bit of broadcasting magic. Does the date June 2nd, 2016 ring a bell? Yeah. When Ada got his groove back. Oh my God. Like this is why we do this show together. Mace, or I'm sorry, June 2nd, 2016 King of gate, 2016 B block action. Ata defeats Jimmy Susumu. And a month after Ata versus Tozawa, a month before Ata versus Jushin Thunder Liger and Ata versus Yosuke Santa Maria for the Brave Gate belt, we watched this match and thought, oh my god, Ata's potential is limitless. This guy isn't going to annoy us with lazy heel shenanigans for a few years before being a good wrestler again. This babyface Ata is the guy. And I can't help but think as we progress throughout our future, King of Gate 2019, Ata defeats Susumu yet again in Osaka. King of Gate 2021, in a match that did not air, Ata and Susumu, 20-minute time limit draw. We've seen Susumu Yokosuka make miracles happen before and open the Dream Gate matches. Is there any chance, and I, I beg of you, that you tell me there's a chance that we're getting Ata versus Susumu Yokosuka for the Open the Dreamgate title? I mean, there's a chance, Case. Okay, that wasn't believable. I, I, I mean, I was going to say, there's a chance because there's a chance for everything in this universe. Oh, I, I, I don't believe that. I, I think we're pretty <laughs> locked into our possibilities. So, <laughs> so, 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 so Case is a, the Calvinist podcaster, apparently. I don't know what that means. That is above my pay grade. That sounded smart. I don't know. All I know is that I, I for as bad as I, I wish it, want it, and do it, I don't think Susumu is going to beat Kai for the Dreamgate. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice it's, thought, though. Yeah, because we could see the apocalypses again if it's him versus Zeta at Kobe World. There's just, I, there's something, like, I, it's, it's not going to happen. We're not going to waste time doing it. It's not going to happen, but I, right. I did want to throw that out there. Could, can we talk about something that did happen and was awesome, though? Yes, because I'm going to give you the floor because I saw you post something in the Discord about this match before we started recording, and this is this is your ballpark. Ata versus Ishinihashi. Uh, let's call an isolation, and Mike is going to run the offense here. All right, so this is Ishinihashi's, in my opinion, his best singles match since he started wrestling, and it's something where if I look at the Hashi brothers' matches were always good, but I don't, but they never stepped away with me the same way that Takuma does. But this one stepped away with me in a way that I thought that this was a really special little number. So this was kind of worked, and I almost tweeted this, but since I do not have Twitter on my phone anymore, I, di I didn't. This is my blueprint for a Summer Adventure Technique League match because the first four minutes was just grappling and Ishin like showing, hey, I have this. I'm better at this than you expect. And I was like, yeah, you are better at this than I expect, Ishin. Go on with this, young man. And then he started talking shit. Ishin Ahashi's favorite thing to do is to be very, very chatty. And that started to tick Ada off. And Ada started to treat him like a young boy and going for Boston Crabs until Ishin raged up, hit a triple drop kick, and then hit a fourth drop kick that was really like him jumping on Ada's stomach. 
which popped me immensely. And then Ata did a devastating wrenching back Boston Crabs attack bout Ishin in eight minutes and 34 seconds. I had this written down as three and three quarters. I've talked myself into four stars. I love this match, guys. This match, it's everything that I really... Well, well when I say I like Ishin a little bit more than Riki, this is the kind of stuff I like. I feel like that he actually is a lot more dynamic than people have been able to see so far. And we got to see this in this match. I don't have any counter to that. There's nothing I disagree with. But this is one of those times on Open the Voice Gate where you are a full star higher than I was. I liked this match. Thought it was very good. Uh, the the idea of Ato working a singles match on a non-Quirk and Hall or pay-per-view show makes me a little bit nervous. I never know what kind of effort we're going to get. I thought Ato worked just hard enough to get by. Ishinihashi obviously always works his ass off. Thought it was a nice, like you described, veteran versus young boy match. Did it light my world on fire anywhere near four stars? That's fair. That's fair. Sometimes, sometimes matches will hit you in a certain day and scratch a particular itch. And this match hit me today and gave me that itch. So I, 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 I love it. I, I love when we're off base on something because, you know, for the most part, yep, three and three quarters here, three and a quarter there, three and a half here. I like this match, but but you saw something in this that I, I did not. So I want to go back and watch this match. We so rarely get eight to singles matches that this is something that should be watched if you have any sort of investment in him. You know, he, he wrestled Minora at World last year and then had the singles match with Hyo at Memorial Gate this year, which was kind of a gimmick match. And other than that, I, I don't believe he's had a singles match since last year as King of Gate. So it's a very rare, at least in, in Dragon Gate and Noah, it's a different story. So it's a very rare occurrence where we get these focused Ata matches. So I thought it was I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. But but uh, props to you for enjoying something so much. It, it's nice to like things. And I, I, and let me tell you, there's few things in wrestling that I enjoy more than when someone goes for a move or goes for like a drop kick. And if it's in a crater someone and he like maybe took like an inch off of Ata's uh, waistline with that last drop kick. It was nasty. Ishinihashi for a powerhouse kind of bowling ball style wrestler has a beautiful, beautiful drop kick. And they know it because they, because I could tell they're like, "Hey, keep on throwing that drop kick." Everyone loves the drop kick, Ishin. Yeah, yeah, like Fujiwara. It's like, "Hey, bust out that springboard head scissors as much as you can." You know that crazy tilt or arm drag that you do? Why don't you mix in that as much as possible, Ishinihashi? You got a nice drop kick. Throw that, my man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's exactly it. Uh, match three. I think I think we're going to probably be some Paco on this. This was Natural Vibes versus the new hot tag team of Shun Skywalker and Jason Lee. Natural Vibes was Big Boss Shimizu and Jackie Funky Kame. Jason Lee defeated Jackie Funky Kame with the world's most angsty maximum driver ever in 11 minutes and 22 seconds. And what I thought was the match of the weekend. I love this. Masterful. Absolutely masterful. And I talked about this in January when Masquerade was dying and Shun Skywalker was doing the full entrance and Minora and Estrella and Daya and Jason Lee were leaving him hanging. I talked about how it's very easy in wrestling to have partners miscommunicate with one another. That's something we see. That's something if we had to age in a show tomorrow, we could do a very clunky version of partners on different pages, friendly fire, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we could tell a story that people would understand. 
the level of detail and the execution in the finishing stretches of the Shun Skywalker matches, whether it's tearing Masquerade apart or in this case, bringing Jason Lee closer to Zebrats. This is why other than CM Punk versus MJF, this is the best feud I've seen this year. This is this is top tier wrestling storytelling where this match starts off with Jason Lee being completely uninterested in teaming with Shun Skywalker. He's not there on double teams. He's not listening to Shun call him into the ring. And by the end of this match, we see less and less reluctance to Jason teaming with this guy. By the end, not only are they hitting double teams, but they look like a well-oiled tag team where they're in the right place at the right time. And like you said, with that angsty maximum driver, all of a sudden, Jason Lee has some edge. Jason Lee is is digging into a little bit of uh, Zebrats. He's he's uncovering a layer of himself that we have not seen in the five years that he's been in Dragon Gate between Maximum and and the Dragon Gate generation and Masquerade and now this unaffiliated period. He's he's been great the entire time, but it's largely been the same Jason Lee. And even just the ten minutes that this match existed, we saw a new side of Jason Lee. Uh, essential viewing my second favorite match of the weekend the storytelling here was through the roof shun skywalker shun skywalker was so fucking good in this match he is he is the best wrestler in the world that isn't an aew right it, now it's, some, it's something where like you had like shun versus versus jack and it was exceptional and it was and jackie was teeing off on him and you could hear sickening chops this was a sick chop day in the office for dragon gate it ended up being that way but kamei was chopping him through the shirt and you could not tell it was a shirt and he works shirts usually dead in it no that was super super loud and yeah as you said the way that slowly uh jason was getting it with the program like it started with like the first kick on the outside where you know like where jason gets where where someone gets an opponent's head through the ropes and jason buzz all kicks them and the first time he went, no, I'm not doing that. But then five minutes later in the match, he hit it. And that went straight into the closing stretch. I thought it just was masterful stuff. I was four stars on it. And even someone like Shimizu, who you would think would just be a passenger for the storyline stuff. Everything in it was great. Everything in it was exceptional. This was the best match of the weekend, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot more Shun versus Kamei stuff that I'd like to see. Because this match starts with with Shun and Kamei in the ring. And they go to shake hands. Shun offers his hand out. Kamei slaps it, slaps it away. But then Shun grabs his hand and squeezes it like he's a bouncer or like he's a high school bully. And it's so mean. And it's so it, it's uh, it, it's that theory of why people react to chops as much as they do, because nobody has experienced a tombstone pile driver before but everybody has been slapped in some way, shape, or form, so it gets a really good reaction on top of the sound that it makes. And Shun just squeezing his hand sucked me into this match from the get-go. I was locked in from that point, because that's just a mean thing to do. And then you talked about the chops. Kamei's throwing these overhand, overhand chop, overhand chop, overhand chop, and Shun blows this guy off of his feet with a two-handed chop to the chest, and I jumped off of my couch. It is violent. It is vicious. It looked calculated. Shun Skywalker looked cold and menacing doing it. I, it's Look, it's the Dragon Gate podcast. 
we obviously like what we like. We're higher on this stuff than most. We're fanatical to some degree. I will give you Shingo. I will give you Okada. And I will give you, you know, Danielson, Omega, Moxley, whoever. Other than that one person iceberg, there's no one in wrestling better than Shun Skywalker. He's that good. He was that good last year. Again, better than everyone but Omega. And this year he's doing it, but he's doing it with this maniacal character. He's unbelievable. And I don't know how to get the right eyeballs on it to make that a consensus opinion. The same people, and I don't even mean this as a dig, but people that consume wrestling through Reddit, I want them to understand how good Shun Skywalker is. Yeah, Shun Skywalker should be a star of a uh, of an archive of our times, you know? Well, this, stu- well, this stuff will get lost to history because, uh, you know, uh, these shows will either be stuck on the network that not a lot of people like that isn't very user-friendly, or in some cases they'll be removed from the network, which I don't understand why that's the case. And this stuff will go away, and it's a damn shame because we're we're witnessing a guy who is 25, 26 years old. I don't know if this is his prime or not, but I know what he's doing right now is really fucking good. Yeah, it, and it's something that, you know, I was probably his big, biggest credit when he came back about him being someone positioned at the top of the card, being a unit leader and stuff like this. But maybe it didn't work as a babyface, but it is working as a heel. Like, at a level where, like, I admit I was wrong uh, that he had no charisma. He just didn't have babyface charisma. Yeah, uh, charisma. Your, your, your assumption of Masquerade was correct, by the way. You nailed it from, from their debut. was, okay, these are five, four, four great wrestlers plus Estrella who can be used in the right way that can't close a show. We saw Minora try it. We saw Jason Lee by the end of it. He was cutting show-closing promos in Japanese, which was awesome. Shun would do it, but there's a difference between a Shun Skywalker closing promo and Yamato, Naruki, Dori, Masato, Yoshino, which is quite frankly the level that Shun now needs to be compared to. And in some senses, I think he hits their level, just not with babyface charisma. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you, some people aren't aren't destined to be inside cats some people are outside cats and i i think that that is a very convoluted way of saying that shun found himself shun found he's, himself he, he's an outside cat uh april 25th mike cork and hall we have the jason lee negotiating rights six person three-way tag match yamato benkei and kagatora versus kz big boss shimizu and jackie funky kamei versus bb hulk hyo and shun skywalker the winner of this match will be granted the opportunity to approach Jason Lee to join their unit. We'll review this match next week. I need your preview right now. Who is winning this match? And when we leave Cork and Hall, what unit is Jason Lee in? Oh, boy. I think my heart says I want to see him as the heel now after this weekend. I want to see him with Zebrats because I don't like him in the other two. And we've talked about this for a month now. I just high end. I just, uh, yeah. And natural vibes, like he'll be great in natural vibes, but he's just, they don't need him. So I'm leaning towards Zebrats, either if it's that he, they win and he just, just goes beast mode and destroys the other six guys and takes the black and yellow gleefully. Or if he gets like negotiating rights to high end, he goes, oh, I, no. I'm not accepting your negotiation and then pulls out a zebra t-shirts and beats everyone. That would be really cool. I, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page. I think there's two options. I think Jason Lee is either leaving Cork and Hall as a heel 
which after his performance in this match, I would fully support. It's not when I said the same thing about Shun. I go, eh, Shun as a heel. I don't, I don't know if that would work or not. No, it turns out it works. Jason Lee, same story. I now have faith after watching this match that a short run of him and Zebras could be really, really compelling. I think there's also a chance that Zebras wins. They offer him a deal. And through promo battles, we end up with Jason Lee as the third component of D courage, which would not shock me at all. I think those are the two options. I like I, I've said before, I would not touch natural vibes that unit is perfect right now. Do not mess with it. And for as exciting as Fujiwara might be in high end, Jason Lee in high end, given how much I like Jason, how much I despise high end, I, I would be so bummed out if that happened. Yeah, that that would be clearly throwing stuff at the wall to get people to talk with Yamato at that point, right? I don't see any any upside. I don't see what he brings to that unit. I don't see his place there. It's not it's not what I want at all. And I think it would be a major step backwards for Jason yeah. unless he can somehow will that unit into being as compelling as Vibes and as Zebrats. And I, I just don't see that happening. For as good as Jason is, that unit has other problems. Right. And if it's and if he goes to uh, high end or really any other unit, like him getting a twin or triangle gate run, like that's doing the same thing. That's not progressing. Whereas him as a heel, maybe taking the title off of Daya as a Brave Gate champion, that's a step forward. So I feel God, like there's. Zebrats could have seven guys and not a lost post. And just, yeah, they'd just be so loaded. I I am so excited about that specific future, that unit, what comes of it. And it's with, you know, again, it's not that Kai's been a bad Dreamgate champion. He's just in a unit with Shun Skywalker, SB Kento, and Diamante, which is not fair. Those guys are otherworldly right now. And Kai is just kind of doing his thing. Very average, very fine reign. Not one that history will remember fondly. Not one that if things continue the way they are, that I will hate. Just a very fine rain, but he is in a unit that is doing extraordinary things, and that is making Kai look bad. Yeah, I think that, that's all entirely fair to say. Uh, match four, we had a unaffiliated trios match. Ultimo, Masaki, Mochizuki, and Giki Horiguchi versus Yosuke, Sam, Maria, Strong Machine J, and Takuma Fujiwara. It was Strong Machine J with the machine suplex on Giki Horiguchi in nine minutes, and the a rec league match of the night. And we also, but we got to have one thing happen here. Case Maria after Christ, almost three full years, finally got the face off. She always wanted with Ultimo. Yeah. Dreams do come true. It's inspiring as somebody that is looking to have a very romantic summer to see Maria and Ultimo share the ring is a reminder that love wins and that, uh, there's a special somebody out there for everybody. Yeah, it's really kind of heartwarming if you really think about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I liked about this was Strong Machine J pins Genki Horiguchi with the windmill suplex, and then kind of gave Genki some attitude after yeah. the pin. And it was, you know, I'm look, I'm rooting for Strong Machine J. I don't know. Speaking of, you know, first and second chapters, he's he's had a pretty rough chapter two, three, and four. I, I don't I don't know what's in Strong Machine J's future. He he could be rec league wrestler for the rest of his life. I'm rooting for him. I want him to succeed. He has a really amazing story. I liked the edge he showed against Genki. There's been some sneaky good, hey, buy some Strong Machine J stock while it's cheap performances this year. I'm not, I don't know what his next step is. I can't figure him out in this current ecosystem, but 
Drangate think piece writers, which is me and Mike and John Hernandez every <laughs> once in a while, maybe maybe a chance to buy some Strong Machine J stock right now. I, I've liked what yeah. I've seen recently. Yeah. You know, if, do you ever do the stock game in school, like in math class? Yes. Like, yeah, I lost money every time. Yeah, yeah. But if we did like the Dragon Gate stock game, which actually would be a fun okay, idea. Okay, write that we're good at write that down. That's yeah. we're doing uh, that. <laughs> That's a good idea. Is, the thing is that like you'd always have like shares of like Takuma. Dragon Dia would be a really peaking stock right now. But Strong Machine J, like whatever money you had left out of your initial pool, you'd buy some in Strong Machine J thinking, Hey, it can't get much worse and if it pays off, you know, even if it goes up a little bit. It will be a big percentage boost, at least like from where I bought in at. And if it somehow things really take off of them, then you're the smartest person in the room. Like, and if that's... you listen, to, if you listen to Open the Voice Gate, you might be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, there we go, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a rec league match. It was fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my main event: D Courage versus SBK and Diamante. Well, well was... just ju- just to be clear, we had the conclusion of Mochizuki right. versus Stan Hansen and Chikawa in between these matches. It's crazy they went to intermission after Mochizuki versus Ichikawa, <laughs> but that is the that is the choice they made. I I, I mean, they, they they were in a mood in Fukuoka. I I feel like we can say that much for sure. So D- it was Decourage, SBK, Diamante. Uh, Decourage won by DQ after SBK did a very clear low blow. And that was almost enough for Mr. Nakagawa to toss of the match. But until there was a belt shot and getting shoved down himself, that got the DQ. Uh, really fun sprint up until that. I mean, Diamante with Daya and Yoshioka is very good. Yeah, I thought this rocked up until the finish. And if there was one minor tweak that I would have about current Dragon Gate, I would like to. And it's it's always been a part of the promotion. It's always going to be. I wish matches like this would have clean finishes. I I think Yoshioka could have you know taken the fall here. I think Daya could have lost to SB Kento. I think SB Kento could have lost via roll-up. Diamante is the one that I wouldn't touch, which is crazy to say, but I, I I would not pin him right now if you can at all help it. I was bummed that this had a non-finish because up until that point, it was a really good match, and it sets the table for what I think could be the most important month of Dragon Dia's career. There's a lot in his immediate future that I think we're going to be able to learn from. Obviously. There's the Open the Brave Gate match at Dead or Alive, which I expect him to lose. I expect him and SB Kento to have a great match, and I expect SB Kento to win the Brave Gate belt in his hometown a year after getting his head shaved in his hometown. And by 2023 or 2024, I expect him to win the damn Dream Gate belt in his hometown. I think that they are going to deliberately tell basically the reverse Dragon Kid story with SB Kento in Nagoya, where Dragon Kid loses every big match there. I think SB Kento is going to get big match after big match, and he's going to win more often than not at Dead or Alive. I think we are going to exist in a reality where Dead or Alive is more often than not the SB Kento show. But with Dragon Dia, you have that Brave Gate match. And then let's go under the assumption, would it be fair to say that we expect Dragon Dia, Dragon Dia to be in King of Gate this year? Yes, I think that's a very fair assumption. And Dia's in a spot now where we, for a number of reasons, you and I, are very high on him. 
I have been high on him since his debut. It took you a year to come around because Dye got hurt. He got sick. He wasn't progressing super fast. I always had a little bit of stock there. Once he got his big push at the end of 2019, you came aboard and said, I, I understand why you like this guy. Here he is. Let, let's see what he can do. We talked to Jay in April of 2020 on this show. And he told the story, which I thought was great, was, you know, Lenny Leonard and Larry Dallas were at dinner with Genki Horiguchi. They were showing him El Hio Del Vikingo uh, videos on Twitter. And Genki was like, yeah, what's 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 the big deal? Dragon Dai can do all of that and more. And I know, at least from my perspective, that sent shivers down my spine of we knew Dragon Dai was this great high flyer. We, we knew this guy was good. But, oh, was he that good? Is he is he on that level? And I think the hardcore... The hardest of the hardcore Dragon Gate fans have lived in that reality of living almost vicariously through Dragon Dia's potential. And he's now going to be put in a position where between the SP Kento match, which is going to be a featured big deal, big time singles match, and assuming that he's in King of Gate, maybe in the same block as SP Kento, maybe in the same block as Diamante, maybe in the same block as a Yamato or a Casey or a Minora or an Ata guys where they're going to be big main event singles matches against. This is the time for Dragon Daya. He's always been on the cusp of something, but if he is going to execute like a star, May of 2022 is the time that he needs to show that he can do that. And if we leave King of Gate talking about KZ and Susumu and Minora and Ishida and maybe Yoshioka, who we know can deliver in singles matches, and Dragon Dia is not one of the initial names that we think of when we think of King of Gate 2022, I think that's going to be very damning for him. I think that would be a very big disappointment if we come out of June 2nd, the King of Gate finals, June 3rd, the Torimon reunion show. We're going to have a lot to talk about. I think it's going to be very troubling for Dragon Dia if he's not on our list of topics come the end of King of Gate. Yeah, it's something that not only is there like the expectation to, I mean, you look at how everything was built up for him over the last four months, you know, like, or really dating back to last year. I mean, the conclusion of Inferno and Daya. Well, one, one could say the way everything's built up, been built up for him since his debut. I right. don't think it would be that, that far-fetched. He's been a pushed commodity since day one. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's something that if there's a babyface focus on the shows right now, it cl- like a pure babyface focus, it is towards him and D-Courage, right? Yes. So, so one would expect that he would be that he'd be put in high-profile situations, then it would be, as you're saying, like if we're talking about people who've had the big performances in King and Gate before, and when we're talking about that in June, then we're talking about the fact that Daya didn't uh, knock it out of the park when it was set up to. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the post-match stuff, like talking about Daya's uh, future, the post-match, uh, we had Shun Skywalker kind of w- ramble back out here and him and Daya having interactions. Shun not watching the product and asking for a Twin Gate title shot when he realized that this was Shun Skywalker. And everyone pointing out, uh, no, uh, he's already signed here. So it is, uh, he's already signed here for Dead or Alive. And, you know, you, you could have made that the fastest Dead or Alive, like Jay said on Twitter, but that's not the case. But so he potentially has probably a Shun, Shun Monte t- uh, Twin Gate match in the future, too, that I feel like the expectations are going to be super high on as well. I would be stunned 
if that is not the Kobe World or Ultimo Anniversary Show Twin Gate match. And I I think it deserves that billing because at that point you're talking about a six or seven month long story going back to the mask versus mask match. I don't see I'm looking at their June schedule right now. They don't have a big Osaka number two show in June and May 29th or in Osaka number two. That's going to be a King of Gate show. So they're not going to do right. a twin gate match there. So I think we're going to come out of, of I, I don't you know, I don't know when we're going to get another twin gate defense. But I know that at some point, D Courage is going to defend against Shun Skywalker and Diamante. And that is one where you start the bidding at four and a half stars. Right. Yeah, I mean, that that's my point exactly. Uh, moving on to the main event then. We had the full complement of gold class. That is Kota Minora, Nuruki Doi, Kaito Ishida, and, Man- and Manorita. Not with and Manorita. This is an eight-man tag. Versus high-end, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Binkei, and Keisuke Akuda. Uh, Kota Minora penned Okuda with the R301 here. And before we get to the match itself, Okuda has kind of become the lost post when Kage has not been around. And that's kind of, uh, I don't want to say concerning, but it, it, it's kind of noticeable that he's always the one taking these falls. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Uh, you're not going to beat Yamato. Right. You're not going to beat Dragon Kid. And yeah. I think there's more upside of Ben K than there is Akuda, And so that leaves Akuda on his back more often than not. Right, yeah, no, I'm not saying that's a negative. I'm someone that my I I've sold my KSK Akuda stock year of last year, so I I'm not disappointed with this. But uh, uh Casey, you saw oh, early on in the show, you said you had you had something you wanted to talk about with Gold Class here with this match. So the floor is yours. Oh, I I oh did I? Okay, interesting. You remember my talking points more than I do. I, my only note on this match is that it's just not on the level of the Zebrats versus Natural Vibes match. I think there's a, they're clearly separating those two matchups right now, and Natural Vibes versus Zebrats hits every single time. There's so much depth in those units, they could throw any combination out there, and I think they work. As I said last week when we talked about their Cork and Hall match, the only enjoyable aspect of Gold Class versus High End is the fact that Gold Class eats their lunch every single time. I did not find this to be a particularly compelling main event, uh, I'm uh, maybe I'm grumpy. It's a grumpy three stars, a generous three and a quarter. But this didn't light my world on fire at all. And I I love Minora. I love Ashita. I love Doi. I think Minorita's super super entertaining. But this match got sterile very fast. I could I could watch Zebrats versus Vibes for the next six months. I think there's enough interesting combinations in those units with or without Jason Lee and either of them, mind you, to where I'm not going to get sick of that match. We're a month and a half into gold class versus high end. And I'm like, all right, I got it. What what next? Let's get Minora a better challenger. Let's do Minora versus Yamato. Uh, let's have Minora win something big because that's why this unit exists. I love the idea of gold class having a very, very long triangle gate run, but I can't have them defend against high end every month because I'm already sick of this combination. Yeah, it, it, it's something where this match for me, this is where you know, the loop gets you because we've seen this match before. We've seen Yamato yeah. get we've seen Yamato run off and get frustrated by Minorita a lot at this point. So big thing I, I mean the crowd loved it. So I mean like there's a point to why you do this the same reason why why Team Boku had such a long run because you want to make sure that you can get all the juice out of that orange here. But 
and, and these combinations, it was just fine. Like he, like it was just fine. I, I thought you had a bigger point to make with that when I did that. Uh, no, not, not that I'm aware of. I'm, I don't think I missed anything in my notes. I think this was just a very fine match that wasn't as good as the main event of the first show. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally with you there. I mean, let me read down, run down my notes I have here. I have only four of them for this. Fun Ishida and Ben opening with Ishida taking most of it. I thought Ishida like kind of winning out on Ben was kind of interesting. Yamato got a wrench. He then ran around, ran away Minorita again. This was fine. Yeah, you know, for as critical as uh, of this match as I was, Yamato versus Minorita makes me laugh every single time. He had a wrench. <laughs> he Let the record show, Your Honor. He had a wrench. <laughs> yeah, so this was all fine. Uh, the post-match go-home, we had like the very rare during the curtain call music angle here. So Gold Class does the go-home promo. No sign of Minorita. They go to... Uh, they, they play Dragon Storm, and they play the... the uh, I, it used to be after Dragon Storm, closing out a show, it used to be a Hayabusa song. I think they changed it. but Or it's later on, they put one in there. But they're playing the go-home songs, and suddenly the camera doesn't cut out because a metal warrior comes back with Minorita and menaces him into the ring, the rest of Gold Class, of course, run out there to get Minorita. And Naruki Toy is insistent that this guy take off the mask. And he takes off the mask to only have another Metal Warrior mask on underneath it. Only one Metal Warrior at this time. What do we make of this? I truly, and I talked about this last week, I have no feel for where this is going the obvious thought is that their future kids just looking at the rest of the roster, they could be Zebrats guys. That that is a reality that we have to prepare ourselves for is that it's, you know, Hulk Hyo and I guess I guess Diamante, and they're just under the mask for whatever reason. I, I don't I don't know what to make of this. The Metal Warrior stuff is really interesting to me because I have absolutely no feel for it. Jason Lee, I feel like there's a few options. We know what's going to happen. We just don't know the exact way. You could tell me anybody, but Shima, T-Hawk, and Lineman are under the Metal Warrior mask, and I would believe you. So the Warrior, at least here, which does not mean a thing, just getting that out there, they have put kids under a mask before debuts that were not supposed to be the people when they reveal who it is. Like that has been a, a tried and true in Dragon Gate that it's n- until the person's on mask, you don't make that assumption other than uh, D- Die Inferno always being Yuki Oshioka. Like that one was just apparent immediately. But the person that was currently underneath the mask was not much taller than uh, not much taller than Minorita, like maybe two or three inches. So that would narrow it down some. But then again, who knows? I have no feel outside of that. So that's why I'm reading into something that ultimately that will not play into the uh, final proceeding. They had future kids on the road this weekend. I don't think they did an exhibition match in Fukuoka, but I know they did uh, an exhibition match in Kagoshima. So I, that to me, it's a future kid. It would make sense. It would make sense. Uh, yeah. None of the Future Kids stuff has made a uh, network yet, right? No, it has not. And I, I'm very anxiously awaiting the day where we can see the second round of Future Kids. But no, to to my knowledge, none of that footage is available so far. Man, what a bummer. I want to see what these kids are up to. You know, it's, you know, that's one of my favorite things. They've been doing exhibitions for a few months now because we clocked yeah. their debuts. I have, okay, maybe maybe not as long. I have photos of them on my computer 
there's four kids from February 13th of this year. And I believe that was their debut in front of an audience. I don't know these kids' names. I don't know anything about them. But there were four kids that debuted on February 13th. And I'm assuming those are the same kids that were in Kagoshima. I saw a picture of them uh, the day of the show. I cannot find that picture right now. But yeah, there's there's more in the pipeline. And Jay talked about that with Alan just to reference that podcast one more time about how many kids uh, there are in the dojo right now. They're having to build extra bunk beds. And not all those kids will make it. Uh, you know, a fraction of those kids will make it. But I think he said there's 20-something kids that just came into the dojo. Yeah, uh, I think Jay mentioned the names on the show. At least very quickly. Yes, uh, yes, he, yes. Those those kids have been named, but I do not remember who they are. Right. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, uh, I'm just fiending for some future matches, man. Like, like that's what it comes down to for me. I want some five minute exhibitions to hey, talk about. Hey, say what you will about Mike Spears. He is fiending for some future matches right now. It's my favorite thing, man. Like, I get well, it. I I get excited when Super Shisa makes tape. We all have yeah. our things. Yeah, we all have our things there. But uh, that was it for the Hakata shows from this month. I don't think they'll be back in there until after King of Gate, I think. Or it, or it might be around the end of King of Gate. Uh, that's not, not it for Dragon Gate this week, especially on the Dragon Gate network. By the time you have listened to this, most likely, they, the monthly trip to the local hallowed, hallowed ground, uh, Kobe Sambo Hall, is on the 19th a 6.30 local time start. And then next Monday, it's a Monday cork in case. Hold on. Hold on. That Kobe show is on April the 21st. That is on a Thursday this week. Oh, so then the the Twitter account is wrong. So yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Gaiora site. Well, thank you for that. So yeah, so we'll, so we'll have two shows before the end of the month, one on the 21st, Kobe Sambo Hall. We don't have anything announced for it. So yeah. And then the Monday Corican show, it will have English commentary and the only thing we know for that is the match we talked about earlier, the rights to negotiate with Jason Lee trios match. But one would think, I mean, we don't have a triangle gate match set up. You think that the metal metal warriors thing will kind of play off by then. Well, I mean, they're doing um, Minorita versus metal warrior in a single oh, match as well. And I would that, assume that plays into the triangle gate match. Yeah, that's it. That's right. I forgot about that. Okay. So yeah. So, so we'll, we'll probably at least have the title situation situated to one extent or another after monday's corkin show do you think they build a cage match on 10 days notice or are we not getting a cage match for dead or alive this year i don't think we're getting the cage match i i, I think yeah yeah it seems like this would be the there, there's so much interesting stuff with these units i know these units just got built but this seems like the year to do it and just just shave some heads no, you don't have to kick anybody out of the unit, but <laughs> it's time we shave. You just shave, shave some heads in Nagoya. You, you've been there before. You get it. Uh, <laughs> we, we've all we've all experienced that. It's crazy that this is the year they're not doing a cage match. Yeah, yeah. You go to Nagoya to go get your head shaved. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. It's what it's what they're known for. I was it's talking to a girl on. I was talking to a girl on Hinge last night. She's like, if you could run away anywhere, where would you run away to? I was like, oh, Osaka. Uh, uh I hear the people are real. And just like I'm trying not to say like Edion Arena too to this normal woman. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I hear the people are really nice there. Uh, and I, you know, they really like baseball in Japan. And uh, uh, you know, I've I I have this dream scenario where I'm an English teacher in Japan, even though I don't speak Japanese. She's like, oh wow, that's so interesting. Um, so and then I guess. <laughs> I have to. Uh, uh, the uh, the uh, just so you know, the other thing uh, about the uh, that scenario is that I would get my head shaved in Nagoya. 
<laughs> because that's what you do. You go to Nagoya, yeah, get your head shaved. It's actually, is there a lot of lore about Nagoya? Uh, you should come over sometime. I'll teach you about it. <laughs> uh, uh, something tells me that, that that conversation petered out pretty soon afterwards. You know what? Fuck you, Mike. I'm actually, I've been talking to her throughout the show. Okay. Uh, okay. Never mind that. Congratulations, then, Fuck buddy. Fuck you. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you did a disaffected voice, which I think that. Me, along with the listeners, can make a fair assumption there. <laughs> no, we're talking about the Titanic, which is one of my favorite topics. I, I love the Titanic. Oh, I was so ti- fascinated by oh, it. Oh, I was a Titanic kid growing up. Oh, case. my God. that's it, She had, you know, she she has an all-time hinge prop that assuming we are, that conversation, when it fizzles out, I'm going to give it two weeks, and then I'm going to take her hinge prompt, which is tell me about the weird uh, time period you were fascinated by in middle school. I was like, oh, that's that's fantastic. That's a conversation starter right there, because right now mine is if you're going to be executed by the state, how would you prefer to be killed? Which is dark. Uh, but I I love Bullet. hers. Yeah. F- oh, f- look, I am as anti death penalty as right. it gets. But yeah. if they if they put me on death row, I want six men with guns around me, one bullet and you better make it count, my friends. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, no. Death. I'm a death row abolitionist, but if you're forcing me that question, uh, firing squad every time. Absolutely. Every. Oh, and this is the Open the Voice Gate podcast. This is it right here. We talk about Shun Skywalker. We talk about HelloFresh. We talk about the firing squad. This is good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that. that's what we're here for. That's <laughs> what we're here for. I might have to, that, that's a good icebreaker. Like, I'm think, I'm still thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, no, that, it's, you, you know, uh, like, like everything with me, it takes the right kind of woman to participate, but they're into <laughs> it when they are. Hey, hey, there we go. But I think that unless you got anything else, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week. No, I'd like to stop talking now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're, we're done talking now. Oh, one question for the wedding. Well, one last tip for the wedding that, that made me think of the efficient. Instead of saying you may kiss the rises, the efficient said, "Kiss in front of me right now." <laughs> and like said that. it like a five-year-old, which <laughs> yeah, was fantastic. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you if you like the show, again, you follow the the show on Twitter at Open Voicegate. Case is that underscore in your case. I'm at Fujihaya. Uh, if, if you want to donate to the show, quick link the show notes. I'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. That's going to do it. We'll be back next week. We'll be we'll have two shows to talk about next week, Case. Two big ones. I would imagine we'll devote most of that time to Cork and Hall, but we will see. Hey, hey, who knows what might happen in the friendly confines, but we'll be back next week talking Cork and Hall and maybe some Kobe Sambo Hall on Open the Voice Gate. Take care, everyone.